Section 30 of Amusement Only. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kevin Alex. Amusement Only by Richard Marsh. A Substitute. The Story of My Last Cricket Match. Chapter 1. I am appointed Captain. I have some idea of cricket. Not much, perhaps, but I certainly have some. I was not in the varsity team, nor near it, but I played in the freshman's match and provided myself with spectacles. I was nearly in the school team once. That was when I carried my bat for forty-five. I must own that my performance was a surprise to everyone, and to myself among the rest. But as I never repeated it, or anything like it, they left me, very wisely, out of the eleven. Thus it will be seen that, from a cricketing point of view, I did not, even in my best days, come up to first-rate form, and in my best days were, reckoning from last summer, quite fifteen years ago. During those fifteen years, I do not remember once handling a bat, far less hitting at a cricket ball with one, and yet, in the state of unpreparedness, I had the presumption last summer to captain a team and to lead them on, well, not to victory, but to disgrace. It's a fact. The match was Storwell versus Latchmere. Storwell was my team, and as I do not think a more remarkable match was ever known in the whole annals of cricketing history, I here venture to report it. When they first asked me to play, I thought they were mad. Storwell-on-Sea is a village on the south coast. I beg pardon. I believe it is called by the inhabitants a town. It is a pretty place, and not unknown, in the locality. It has a season, and all that kind of thing, and it was during the season I was there. And one day, a deputation of the inhabitants called on me at my lodgings to ask if I would lead the local cricket club to, say, victory. As I have said, my first impression was that they were mad. Either that, or else that they were playing it off on the unprotected stranger. I hinted so much to the deputation. The deputation smiled. The chief spokesman was the local barber. His name was Sapsworth. He explained that Mr. Wingrave had sent them there. Wingrave was the vicar. We were up together, and he must have known quite well whereabouts my cricketing form came in. I decided to crush the deputation before the thing went farther. To show you the sort of man you propose should captain you, I need only mention that it is more than fifteen years since I had a bat in my hand. But the admission did not crush them. Quite the other way. It opened the floodgates of their eloquence. That's nothing, Mr. Sapsworth cried. There's hedges here. We've had to put em in. He don't even know the rules of the game, and he's just turned sixty-one. I glanced at Mr. Hedges, thus frankly referred to. He was a smiling, red-faced, bald-headed old gentleman who, 
if not considerable in height, was great in girth. He would certainly have turned the scale at sixteen stone. I felt that, to cricketers who intended to play Mr. Hedges, any objections which I might urge would appear quite trivial. When is the match to be? I asked. Tomorrow, was the startling reply. I was speechless. That I, after fifteen years total abstention, should be asked to captain a team the members of which were entire strangers to me, and of whose individual styles of play I had not the faintest notion, in a match against an unknown foe, at four-and-twenty hours' notice, was a little hard to credit. It was altogether too preposterous. I told them so. They could not be brought to see it. The end of it was that I agreed to play. No man knows to what a depth of folly he can sink until he tries. End of chapter 1 of A Substitute